Well, um, today our theme is, uh, of course, our series uh, that we're in is, is Thanksgiving. And so we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving, but today we're going to be specifically talking about how Thanksgiving is connected to supernatural peace. And so I found a prayer that was written by, uh, I'm going to butcher his name, David Ngong, uh, who is at Lakeshore Baptist Church in Waco, Texas, wrote this lovely prayer. And so um, will you pray with me? Dear God, we hear of peace only as a faraway dream. We long for it in our lives, in the lives of our families, our friends, and our countries. But with each passing day, the prospect for peace seems to be increasingly tantalizing. Restlessness seems to be the order of our present existence. Our inner, inner restlessness rooted in various anxieties our societal restlessness rooted in the evils that go on around us, the restlessness of our world plagued by conflicts of all sorts. Dear God, we hear of a peace only as a dream, a dream we would love to be a part of, a dream we long to have in our hearts and in our neighborhoods, in our countries, and even in our churches. And so we pray this morning, dear God, that we may experience that peace that passes all understanding. We pray, O oh God, that we may experience you, the peace of the world. Penetrate the grieving heart, accompany the lonely one, remember the forgotten, reclaim the strayed, make music out of the disharmony of conflict and chaos. Let our restless hearts rest in you, O God, and this we pray in the name of the Christ who beckons us into the vision of peace. Amen. So our scripture uh, this morning comes from Paul's letter to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 through 13. Listen now for a word from the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things." Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned for me, but had no opportunity to show it. Not that I am referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. 
In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lords, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. All right, here's a, here's a question for you. What do you think the difference is between the presence of God and the peace of God? You think there's a difference? We, uh, during, the, during the break, we offer the peace of Christ because Christ is present, and so, so offering that peace, that supernatural peace, kind of is what we're doing symbolically when we, when we grab another hand or hug a neck and say, peace be with you. I, I suspect that the, the peace of God and the presence of God are probably one in the same thing. Christ is our Prince of Peace, so probably you can't have one without the other. You know, last week we talked about the importance of thankfulness and gratitude in becoming aware of the presence of God. We just sang a song, Lord, we we long to to see your presence. And we talked about how the presence of God is always present, it's just our awareness. It's our perception of whether it's there or not. And so the psalmist last week said, you know, thanksgiving, entering the gates with thanksgiving and the courts with praise really is the first step into becoming aware of the presence of God and coming into the presence of God. This week, we're looking at Paul's letter to the Philippians, and he's saying a lot of the same things that we talked about last week, but he's focusing on peace and contentment. Peace and contentment, not just any old peace, but divine peace, supernatural peace and contentment. Uh, Show of hands, who in here could use a little peace in their life? Whew, right? We long for peace. I I prayed a beautiful prayer written by somebody this morning about how the world longs for peace. All you have to do is turn on the news and know that peace is far from us. It is far from our reality. But we long for it. We all want peace. It's really interesting because Paul is talking about peace. Do you know where he's writing this from? Prison. He's in a jail cell writing this letter, talking about peace. And he starts very similar to the psalm last week. Psalm 100 said, um, make a joyful noise and rejoice. Paul says, yeah, I agree with that. Rejoice always in everything, all the time, rejoice. Which I think by that he probably means Find the silver lining in your circumstances, right? Stuff may not be ideal, but you can always find a silver lining and rejoice in that that thing. Look for the good, look for the bright, and rejoice in that if you can. He says, be gentle around everyone, which I take to mean uh, be mild and patient with everyone, especially in a world of conflict like we see right now. You don't need to add to the rising voice of chaos and anger, right? As followers of Jesus, we're called to be as gentle as possible with all people always. There's enough non-peace in the world, so let's be peaceable people. 
And then he says, uh, you know, the Lord is near you, so don't worry about anything, which is kind of the opposite of rejoice always. Don't worry about anything. Well, because worrying, Jesus tells us, doesn't really accomplish anything. It just makes you sick to the heart, right? When you sit around and worry about stuff, nothing actually gets done. You just find yourself kind of getting worked up over this thing that you're worried about. So then Paul says, okay, so then what I want you to do is to pray about everything. Take your requests to God. Make your supplications. And he says, and do this with thanksgiving in your heart. There it is. There's that key phrase we've been focusing on. Thanksgiving. Find something to be thankful for. This is all kind of revolving around this same thing. Rejoicing, do not worry. Find something to be thankful for. And use that as your launch pad as you make your requests known to God. Now, Paul does not say that when you make your your request known to God that, that you'll get what you ask for. He doesn't say that. But here's what he does say. He says, if you do this, what I'm telling you to do, there is a peace that exists that is beyond explanation that will descend upon you and cover you almost like, uh, like butter melting over your head and dripping down, right? You don't like that image? Wax? We don't like wax either. What can you have that, that just kind of soothes and coats? Give me something, Mike. Chocolate. Like chocolate that just covers you with, with a sweetness. Good job. Good job. Have you ever felt that kind of peace before? A peace that you can't explain? A peace that um, not only you can't explain, but people around you say, Are you all right? Are you feeling ill? Is something going on with you? Right, this is what Paul is talking about, a peace that surpasses all understanding that the rest of the world and maybe yourself will look at you and go, something's off with you because you should not be acting this calm in this scenario right here, right now. I, I love the story. I don't love the story, but I, I'm thankful for the story of Stephen, who was the first martyr in the book of Acts. Because Stephen displayed this kind of peace that we're talking about. I wanted to read just a little bit of this from Acts uh, chapters 6 and 7. Now, now Stephen, you know, the church is brand new. And Stephen is out preaching the gospel just like Jesus told us to. And of course, just like people didn't like Jesus, they didn't like Stephen either. They, They didn't like the message that he was bringing. But they didn't know how to stop him from doing it. And so, so listen to this. They stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes, and they suddenly confronted him and seized him and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, This man never stops saying things against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses handed on to us. And all who sat in the council looked intently at him, And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, if you were falsely accused, if you were bound and taken into custody against your will, 
if uh, false accusations were, false testimonies were brought up against you in some kind of this mock trial, this fake trial going on, would you have the face of an angel? I wouldn't. I, I would be defending myself. I would be saying, that's wrong. What that guy just said, that's not true. I can produce my own witnesses. Or defending uh, my, my point of view. Listen, this, this is not, I'm not trying to change the laws of Moses. I would be do, doing something to, to, to defend my honor, to uh, make them know that, that, that I should not be in this place. I would not have the face of an angel. But they all look over at Stephen and they go, this guy is off the rails. He is off, off his rocker. Look, look at his face. He is calm. He looks like an angel. And so then Stephen proceeds to preach the gospel to them. He just tells the story of Jesus and talks about how this all works in, in the story of God, the grand story of God. Okay, When he gets done with his story, listen to this. When they heard these things, they became enraged and ground their teeth at Stephen, the opposite of peace. But filled with the Holy Spirit, he gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they covered their ears and with a loud shout all rushed together against him. And they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, Paul. While they were stoning Stephen, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he died. Folks, that's not normal behavior. That, that, that's not normal behavior. Something is up there. Stephen had that chocolate piece drip over him at some point that allowed him to be falsely arrested, falsely accused, and then stoned to death while at deep peace the entire time. We see that, that Stephen here is, is really replicating the peace of Jesus, right? Because we know from the cross, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Even in that moment, Jesus was at deep peace. I remember hearing one time a preacher say, you know, while the, while the two criminals on either side of Jesus were fighting for life, pressing down on the nail that went through their foot to get that next breath of air, Jesus died at peace, gave up his spirit, so that when they came to break the legs of the soldiers to speed up the process, they said, well, this one's already dead, right? Because Jesus was at peace. That's not a normal peace, folks. That, that's not how normal people behave. And yet we see Jesus doing this, and now we see Stephen doing this. And Paul is telling us, you can have this peace too. Peace. The Greek word for peace here is this idea of a, a, a quiet rest within yourself. It's this idea of ceasing from strife, whatever that strife may be, whatever it is that you are trying to hold on to or grasp, it's stopping that process. That is peace. In fact, the, the word literally means 
to be joined at one again. And I thought, does that mean at one with God? Does that mean at one with yourself? And maybe it's all of the above. You're, you're just, you're complete within yourself. You're secure in who you are and whose you are and, and what's going on. That's peace, right? And Paul says the mind has a lot to do with finding and resting in this supernatural place. He tells the Philippians, I want you to think about or meditate upon true and honorable and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy things. And if you do this, God's peace will remain with you. So you enter into it through prayers of thanksgiving and you remain in it by focusing your thoughts on good and beautiful things. I don't have to tell you all what I'm describing to you sounds hard. In fact, I would say it takes a lot of practice because I know my mind. I know how my mind thinks. Right? If somebody makes me mad, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I wish I would have said in the moment or how I can get back at them later. I'm going to correct this wrong. They got me all wrong, right? Stephen didn't do that when he was arrested. But that's how my mind works. Or, or sometimes I think, man, life is just so unfair. I never catch a break. If I could just catch a break, if things would go, if I could just win the lottery, then everything would be right. Everything would be fine. Or sometimes I think about the future and I got to stay ahead of the curve. Inflation is rising and, 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 and interest rates in the bank and I, and I got to stay ahead of the curve and stay or else I'm going to go under. And so constantly worrying about how I can stay ahead for the future that might come. Most of my thought life, and maybe you can identify with this, most of my thought life is spending uh, uh, finding ways to, to, to serve myself, really. I don't look at it that way. I'm just, I'm just looking out for number one, right? I'm just thinking about how, what do I got to do to make sure that I'm okay today and tomorrow and the next day? How, what do I need to do to make sure that my family, my children, my wife are okay? That's most of my thought life. And that kind of thinking really just leads to frustration just leads to suffering in the end. And so Paul says, you've got to learn to identify when your mind is going into those places and you've got to cut it off quick. Most of it's unconscious thought, but, but if you can become aware of it, cut it off and actually switch to true things, to honorable things, to pure things, pleasing things, praiseworthy things. Can we find something praiseworthy to think about today? Even if, even if you're here this morning and life is a mess right now, can you think of one praiseworthy or beautiful or pure thing to focus your thoughts on? It takes practice. I had uh, mentioned several weeks ago this idea of centering prayer, which I just think is fascinating. You know, the idea is that you just find 20 minutes in your day and you quiet your mind. You tell your mind, I need 20 minutes. You can worry about how you're going to get back at your, your you know, person who wronged you 
uh, the rest of the day. But for 20 minutes, I just need silence. And then whenever your mind says, no, 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 I want to think about this, you just, you just say the name Jesus. Just say the name Jesus and tell it to be quiet. 20 minutes a day. Maybe that's how you begin to practice this idea that Paul is talking about here. Training your mind to think about good and beautiful things so that you can encounter and stay in the peace of God. In fact, Paul goes on to say, you know, I've actually learned the secret. Maybe this is what he's talking about. I don't know. I have learned the secret of contentment. Remember, he's writing this from a jail cell. I have learned the secret of contentment. I know how to be hungry, how to be full, how to be cold, hot, have all things, nothing, full of friends, lonely, I can do it all through Christ who strengthens me. How many times have you seen that on a bumper sticker or a t-shirt? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you got the picture of the, the pro football player. I can throw the perfect pass through Christ who strengthens me. Or I can lift these weights through Christ who strengthens me. That's not what Paul is talking about. Paul says, I can learn to be content in every situation that I encounter through Christ who strengthens me. Why? Because this supernatural peace has descended upon me, and I can't explain it, and I know it sounds crazy, but I tell you, it's real. Paul would have to put this bold statement to the test, because we don't think Paul made it out of this jail cell. We don't think he ever got out of this. He was in prison like seven times. We don't think he got out of this one. In fact, tradition tells us that Paul was beheaded by the Romans eventually. We don't have a whole lot of details on it, but there is one extra biblical account of the death of Paul. This is what it says. Then Paul stood with his face to the east and lifted up his hands unto heaven and prayed a long time. And in his prayer he conversed in the Hebrew tongue with the fathers and then stretched forth his neck without speaking. It seems like maybe Paul found that peace and was able to stick with it all the way to the end. Even in an unjust death, he calmly and peacefully lays his head on the chopping block and says, do what you need to do. That's not normal behavior, folks. That's not normal. But this is the kind of peace that we're asking for. And I wonder if maybe the seed was planted that day that Stephen was killed because we're told that Paul stood and held the coats of the people who were stoning Stephen. Those, those same ones that were gritting their teeth and stopping up their ears. Paul held their coats for them while they did it, and it says that he approved of their actions. I wonder if Paul saw Stephen that day and said, that's not normal behavior. I want to know what he knows that I don't know. And he finally learned the secret of contentment. Folks, you want to know this kind of peace? You want to have a little bit of this in your life? A little bit of that chocolate 
covering and coating? Even if the rest of the world thinks you're absurd, they think you're crazy, they want to check you into a facility somewhere, mom, you should not be this, this calm about what's going on. Well, I've learned the secret. Paul's suggestion is rejoice always. Be gentle with everyone. Don't worry about anything. Bring all your cares and requests to God with a heart of thanksgiving. Train your mind to think about good and beautiful things and learn the secret of contentment in all circumstances. Now that sounds like a lot of work, I know. Sounds like a lot of work. But I think at the end of the day, really what this is about is just letting go. Ceasing from strife, which is what peace is. It's a ceasing. God, I can't anymore. God, you have to do this. I'm out. And I trust you in whatever comes next. We have a lot to be thankful for this year, don't we? Thanksgiving on Thursday. During the rest of this week and as you prepare for Thanksgiving and maybe you've got family members coming in, uh, friends, maybe you're going somewhere, maybe you're traveling somewhere for Thanksgiving. Over the next couple days, I want you to compile a list of five things to be thankful for. As a start to this process, finding this absurd peace that Paul talks about, which I think is real. I think it's really real. But we have to begin with thankfulness and gratitude. So make a list of five things. And then as you pray each day, begin your prayers with this. God, I'm thankful for this. And I'm really thankful for this. And I'm thankful for this and this and this. But I'm worried about this and I don't want to be worried about it. Or I'm concerned about this. Or I don't know how this is going to unfold. And I'm just letting you know that I need you to make this all right. But begin with thanksgiving. Let's pray. God, we are thankful today. Because... When we complain that life is unfair, all we have to do is turn on the news and see that there are families in war-torn places uh, that this morning are suffering greatly because family members have been killed or taken hostage or horrible things done. There are places in the world where people are starving, where people are running for their lives, places where they're being forced to do things that they don't want to do. They don't have the freedoms that we enjoy in this country. And so we do have a life worth finding something to be thankful for, to rejoice over. Help us to see those things and forgive us when our mind wanders into self-pity in places that just don't help us out. Help us to recognize that to turn it off with the name of Jesus and just to meditate on good and beautiful things for a little bit. We pray that Paul is right, that if we practice this letting go, this ceasing from strife, 
that we may know this supernatural peace, that it might cover us too, so that we might learn the secret of contentment. We pray this in the name of the one who is our Prince of Peace. Amen. Y'all stand and uh, hold the hand of the person next to you. And receive, you can stay up here. Receive this, uh, this blessing today. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you are perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world this, this week and live as God's faithful children. You're, you're called to go out and display that peace for somebody else to see so that they can go, what is that? I want that. Guess what, folks? You're going to mess up this week because we all mess up. But even when we mess up, even when we fall short, he doesn't change a lick about how God feels about us. Paul says God has reconciled himself to the whole world and is no longer counting sins. He's not even keeping track of them, okay? So take that good word, get back up, dust yourself off, try again. Each new day is a new day. And I pray that you would take that good word, that it would give you peace throughout this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.